you're tuned in to Good Girls Behaving Badly. You talk about everything with your close friends, right? Well, so do we. Listen to us discuss everything from media and pop culture to relationships and dating. What do you want to chat about? Well, it's not going to work. Now that I know we're being recorded. <laughs> His lip found hers, and it was the kiss of surrender. The client relationship rule was thrown out the window. Most of all, he didn't give a damn about Derek. Right now, that man didn't matter. It was all about need. His need, her need, their need. The spike heels of the boots might make holes in the mattress. Don't care, he said, with his lips against her. She pulled away, looking at him. Your mother might, I'll tell her it's your fault. You wouldn't. A sexy smile curved her lips. He rolled her beneath him and captured her breasts in his mouth, and she arched her back up, holding his head against her. She made little kitten cries, moving closer, clawing at his back. He felt the soft leather of her boots rubbing against his calf muscles, and he moved against her, encountering her to raise her legs higher until they were bent. She did and then groaned in frustration. Something wrong? He didn't stop his assault on her breast. He just moved to the other one that begged to be stroked with his tongue. My boots, they stay on. They're stuck in the mattress. I can't move my legs. I know. Two could play that game. She slid her hand. What? Sorry, y'all. She slid her hand between them. I got so into it. I got so into it. I said, what'd she do? What she did was slid her free hand between them and captured him, and he hissed. Now I have you where I want you. Do you? He slid his hand down right. What? Ma'am. <laughs> Ma'am. You can't. It's got confusing, y'all. It's getting complicated. Oh, hold on. Where was that? This is good. This is good. He rolled onto his back. What are you going to do now that you have me right where you want me? She ripped open the package and prepared him for the ride they were about to take. And that, folks, is an excerpt excerpt from a book called Hit and Run. Hit and Run. Okay, because he was hitting or she was hitting. Somebody's leg got caught in a mattress. It it confused me a little bit. But y'all like that. Hi y'all, I'm Sydney. I'm Sydney. And how was your weekend? <laughs> well, it was good. I mean, I'm happy tomorrow. I'm off from work. Mm-hmm. Doing some housework. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Trying to landscape. <laughs> Realize it's a lot more work than I thought. Mm-hmm. Hanging out. Um, so yeah, my weekend has been pleasant. Mm-hmm. And that's that. Yeah, I'm gonna pour my and we're drinking wine, y'all. We don't never be drinking right while, while we, we record. record. <laughs> um, yeah, my weekend's been chill. Friday, I kind of just came home and watched Netflix. I realized the second season of She's Gotta Have It is um. Ooh, <laughs> what is this wine? I'm sorry. Red blend. Okay. Um, Saturday I went to therapy and then I hung out with um. My friend Derek in D.C. Well, a little Virginia, a little in D.C. He's um, single, y'all. <laughs> and he's a catch. So, ladies, hop on it. 
And then um, today, what did I do today? I think I really just, I was in the house until I came here. I was hanging out with Shanae today. Um, that was pretty much it. We did, drank some wine. We uh, <laughs> so I have a blog for my mm-hmm. Martha Stewart lifestyle. Yes, <laughs> and I have some cocktail posts that be coming up. So when I do stuff like this, it's always nice to have someone come over to drink it or eat it, so it doesn't go to waste. Right. So she was just being a great tester of my cocktails. Yeah. So and yeah, I'm off tomorrow, and I'll be back over here. <laughs> <laughs> So. We got some hoeing to do. <laughs> now, what did y'all think? What, what was y'all first thought when I said we got some hoeing to do? Because let me tell you something. I mean the gardening tool. That's why you don't assume. Because I know y'all thought something else. Oh You're nasty. <laughs> so, that's pretty much my weekend. I might um go see Intruder and or Aladdin. Tomorrow. I would like to see Aladdin. Okay, let's... let's. A whole new world. Okay. That's all. Um, we can make that part of our plans after Halloween tomorrow. If you, I know you got a life, so we'll see. We we'll both see. have lives. We'll see how our schedules align. <laughs> um. So, what's going on in uh, media? All radio. I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all right. Well, that's why y'all gotta check out her website for these recipes. Yeah, because uh, they real good. Yeah. That tequila <laughs> sunset. <laughs> yeah, because it ain't gonna take you up. It's gonna take you down. <laughs> that one to get you. Yeah. that'll be up in a week or two. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, this is just a random moment. Mm-hmm. Why do so many people owe fifty cent money? Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to, I'm just highlighting this really quickly because this first really for me started because he was, um, I watched Vanderpump Rules. Mm-hmm. I'm a Bravo fanatic. Mm-hmm. I watched Vanderpump Rules and one of his work partners slash friend, maybe probably not now anymore, <laughs> uh, girlfriend is on the show mm-hmm. and she was saying something and he must have reposted something about it. Um, mm-hmm. and she ended up coming at him and boy oh boy that's when it started right basically i mean just a lot and then it's like at that moment i felt like every week somebody else owe him money mm-hmm. why do y'all keep going to him for money because he the one that you don't want to play around with you feel me well i agree but i think what it is is that i think a lot of people you know, that have money, do a lot of business deals. Because then it even makes me think of, like, Dame Dash and Lee Daniels. Yeah. Like, they be loaning money to each other to support certain projects. Right, right, for sure. certain initiatives. And then, whether or not it happens... They gotta get that money back. (laughs) Right. And so, I think... I think it's not... I don't want to say it's common, but among people in the entertainment Well, 50 Cent is the person you don't need to go to. All I'm trying to say, all that to be said is, he the last one you need to borrow money for because I just feel like he going to embarrass you. Don't do it. Um, Amari... Yeah, relatively common. Harwick, he talked about how he was loaning money, but he paid it back in a timely fashion. And what did he do? 50 Cent reposted and said, that's why you're my guy. Here's the thing. I'm going to someone else. I'm going to another celebrity. Well, they go to him because they know he got it. Well. Unlike your Marie, I ain't got it. <laughs> and that's annoying, but if she want to keep I mean, riding I it out. I think the, the the situation that got them to where they are is annoying. But I'm going to yeah. be honest. 
I it's think funny. getting paid off of I ain't got it shirts is a little funny. But I think he ended <laughs> up. I think he. I thought I read somewhere he got like the lures to shut it down or he got a profit of it. Anyway. No, he made the I ain't got it shirts. Oh, I thought she, she made them. No, he made them and he was like, see, you could be making money off of stupid stuff, but you ain't about it. And he been selling the I ain't got it shirts. Because he was and he selling. he made a custom emoji and everything. He was also sold the 40 shirts because mm-hmm. when the dude called, sorry for it. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be like, see, y'all be saying this stuff and I just take the idea and I turn it into a business. And so he's basically like, you could have turned the I ain't got it into yeah. like some kind of t-shirt company like to pay him back. To pay him back. Yeah. And so she, I think yeah. she made a joke because she was on Breakfast Club. Like I'm gonna give him five cents a day. So I think like just I think it's done. But well, they still have to go to court to actually make a settlement. So him asking for the money now is not even like indecency and in order for the lawsuit. Because they have to go to court to actually determine how much she can actually afford to pay back well, and what the terms are for her paying it back. She so ain't him got doing it, all so. of this, they can't like. Well, she everyone's saying they should just money. go out with each other. Just go ahead and, and love each other. <laughs> all right, <laughs> moving forward. So we have kind of we've talked about Harvey um, Weinstein. Weinstein, mm-hmm. and y'all love to say that he ain't get his damn court. And so I want to. Because I feel like, because um, I saw this on Shade Room, then I read it again. Mm-hmm. People don't read the full article, and I wish they would. So, <laughs> he reaches a $44 million uh, settlement. In civil. And thank you. Yeah. So, for everyone who just loves to bring up R. Kelly and Bill Cosby and how mm-hmm. no white man go to jail, he still... He has to pay for the civil case, and he still is it's charged criminal criminally. Charges. Yeah. So, that is where he'll be going to court for, the criminal charges. Yeah. And his... His lawyer left him, the white man. Left Which him. means he's pretty guilty. And now he didn't got a black lawyer. And the black lawyer, because he was a dean at, I think, Harvard. He lost his position. His wife lost, because his wife was a dean, too. They both lost his position. I mean, you're supporting, and as a lawyer, and I've always wondered this with lawyers, do they put their own like morals in play when they take these cases? No. I feel like if I was a lawyer, I would. I agree. And I feel like I could not represent him. Yeah, but I think some but of them I think just some dollar is a client. Whether mm-hmm. he did it or not, that's mm-hmm. not his issue. Right. But yep. so I really just wanted to talk about that to say that he still has his time in court. Mm-hmm. So everyone talking about oh, so he just buy his way out of it? No. And no, the only reason no. honestly that his court date has gotten pushed back is because he's facing another criminal charge. By the way. He was trying to tie those trials into being at the same time, which the judge was like, uh, no. Right. Then he, his lawyer left the case. So a lot of things are pushing it back, which does delay, I guess, the public satisfaction of seeing him go to jail. But I also feel like for these people, mm-hmm. nothing's going to satisfy them. They don't even take enough time yeah. to read about what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, to an extent, it's annoying because y'all really don't care mm-hmm. that he was sexually assaulted. You don't care what Bill did or mm-hmm. R. Kelly did. It just comes down to the black and white thing. And while I've said this before, I'll say this again. The black and white card is real. It's prevalent world. But my, I don't know, loyalty or my want for black people to be successful or to be treated equally mm-hmm. will never surpass guilt. Mm-hmm. And if it can for y'all, cool. It cannot for me. Right. And um, because I was actually talking to Sharice about this this week. I feel like people rely on the media as a crutch. Because I do think the media 
they only pick stuff up when it's hot. Absolutely. So in the beginning, when everybody's talking about it, they pick it up, and at the end, when it's done, like right now, because the civil suit ended, they picking it up. They didn't pick it up during this whole journey. Exactly. Because he didn't, like I said, he didn't lost a lawyer, got new exactly. Lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And but people aren't and people aren't taking the time they're letting headlines and clickbait. Yep. Um quote-unquote educate them yeah. so i really Instead wish actually going to, to read and especially as we're getting yeah. just with our political climate and as we get closer to the election mm-hmm. stop just reading headlines and yeah. reading the first paragraph of these articles right. click the entire link make sure you're first of all looking at the source first of all Ooh, and two read a couple articles because i do that yeah because i can has a, a different spin on it so if i read one about him i like to read two or three others from different sources mm-hmm. to see what are the facts. So the facts are typically what they'll be consistent in each article. Right. And then you kind of see, like you said, the bias, the other extra stuff. Mm-hmm. I just wish people would take the time. We're on our phone so much, it takes no time to Google it and read an article or two just to feel like you have the, the baseline of knowledge. But yeah. to not know anything, but to feel so confident to make statuses and make comments and get in arguments with people is like, really, y'all? Mm-hmm. And y'all don't take no time to actually know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And even then know that the media controls a lot and spends a lot. Like, how do y'all still don't yeah. fathom that? Anyway, yeah. moving on. I don't have that much today. But I do want to talk about... Update on Nipsey's um, mm-hmm. killer. He had they Another have indicted. Yeah. Well, he um, the lawyer stepped down. The lawyer stepped down yeah. after the threats to him and his family and just the backlash of it. He Which stepped I think down. Is BS. He was in the freaking OJ Simpson trial. He's dealt with this. He knew it was going to come. So okay. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I think it's really crazy the not to think that wasn't going to happen. With everything that happened with Nipsey's passing and how Mm -hmm. the reactions of everyone, he had to know that that was going to spark something. So I agree. But they have indicted. Not saying that his family is worthy of getting the threats or anything like that, but it's like you knew what you knew what you were stepping in with, especially because you took on this case. With taking that on, right? Well, he's been indicted. So that was I want to give that update because we've talked about it before, Mm -hmm. and then. Um, I also wanted to, the last thing I want to talk about on a funny note, I didn't know there was some sort of beef between City Girls, Hazel E, and uh, Jocelyn. Uh, I was late to the party. I was about to say, girl, how you miss all this? I don't know what I was doing, <laughs> but I caught up, and boy, funny. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> Hazel, <laughs> sis, hun. Mm-hmm. No. Well, Jocelyn, no. Well, I feel like Jocelyn put herself into a She totally put herself she, in it. It but was genuinely... It was Hazel E. Right. But Hazel. the point I'm trying to make is, no to both of y'all music. <laughs> uh, Hazel's little diss track to them, mm-hmm. sweetie. Well, yeah. Who to told... Get y'all, to give y'all a little bit of background, Hazel E dropped a track, I think a couple years ago. And then she... City Girls drop their music. Of course, they're a little bit more popular music-wise than Hazel E. A little? A lot of... What you talking about? Hazel E feels like um, City Girls stole kind of like the rhythm and the tone for the song. And so they've been beefing. 
And Hazel E. G. was like, oh, I'm going to drop the song because it was unreleased, I think, at that point anyway. Right, because no one, no one was checking for it. No <laughs> and one. so Hazel E. Um, went ahead and dropped the song to show people how similar to City Girls it was. Um, and because she's like, I got a problem with y'all now because y'all steal my music. Y'all getting popping off of it. Blah, blah, blah. Now, Jocelyn Hernandez done came into it, I think, simply off of the strength of Love & Hip Hop. I think that's the only reason she inserted herself into it. Because, I mean, at the base of it, she ain't got nothing to do with this beef. And, I mean, ain't nobody listening to her music either. So, <laughs> she ain't got nothing to do with it, but that's the basis of the beef right. overall. Here's, and this is what I'm going to say. You gave that background. Yeah. Hazel, no one cares. I don't think anyone cares. And I mean, at the, the also at the root of it, neither one of y'all wrote the songs. Y'all both had a, a, a male rapper write y'all music. So, like... Hazel E did too? Yeah. It's already bad though. So, she did get better writers then. <laughs> well, I think maybe he did the beat. I don't remember. He But they collabed on it. Oh, the man, I mean, don't take the man's name if he ain't write it. That's all I, I'm saying. Well, no, I mean, who was it? I, I have to Google it. I'll have it to y'all in a second. Okay, here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to leave it. Whoever wrote it. It was somebody that actually has good music, I think. That wrote her lyrics? Give me a minute. I find it. It was one of them, you know. Here's the thing. rappers with locks these days. They all got locks. Here's the thing. Hazel Lee, you're not, you know what, never say never. You're not at their success level. Your music has never taken off. Um, I salute you for not giving up on your dreams. And same with you, Jocelyn. But I'm going to just say this. No. I don't believe it will happen. And if I'm wrong, pull this up on me. And I will apologize. But I have a feeling I won't be wrong. Well, I think the thing with Hazel E, um, to, you know, keep it all the way a stack, I think she's tried to dibble and dabble, if I will say, in too many different careers. I mean, well, not too many different careers. I think she'd be trying to jump into any old career. Because she started off as a publicist. And so then, because as a publicist, as a celebrity publicist, she knows all these celebrities. She's like, oh, I can rap. And then, like, jumped in. But what has she done really successfully outside of her PR? She goes to Dubai a lot. They say she's getting peed on over there. That's what they say now. I ain't saying it. That's what they say. Okay? I cannot answer what she's done successfully. What is she actually doing now? Because she's not on Love & Hip Hop anymore. Her music is not, certainly not in a place where City Girls is. She doesn't do PR anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Now, she does reality TV really well. If she's not on it right now, she should get back on it. And Jocelyn... <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe this will help. This will help her get this back on Love & Hip Hop. Yeah, I she's not on reality TV anymore either. I know they probably both do appearances and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that music ain't that either, sweetie. No, no. That's it. That's all I got for media. I just thought it was funny that... It was some supposed beef, like, yeah. girl. Yeah. And her diss track. Oh. <laughs> I think she wrote that one herself. It. 
I could get in a rap battle with her if you just write rhymes. I mean, I remember. I think I would enjoy that. First of all, Cindy and I do have bars. <laughs> don't um, go back and try to find them, please. I'm not. Yeah. Don't y'all even. We have bars. <laughs> we have won rap battles. Mm-hmm. Some people are still butthurt to this day. And that's fine. We almost brought the battle back a year or two ago. Yeah. We, we figured it's like, we won. We don't need to bring it back. The loser brought it back. Let's call it spade a spade here. We did not bring it back. Facts. She wanted to bring it back. Facts. Love you. Shut up. <laughs> you know? Love you, girl. I talked to you earlier. Literally earlier today. Um, but it is what it is. Because, well, let's... The real, the realistic part of beefs is like a lot of times they be getting along with each other, especially like um, the comedian beefs. It's funny because what's the white guy that's like he's married to a black woman? Gary Owen. Gary Owen. When he be beefing, they be actually like telling each other what to say to one another to like spike interest. But in I don't feel people. like people take those serious anyway. That's true. That's true. They always, to me, I never take it seriously. I always think it's funny because they be going back and forth. Well, I think Kevin Hart versus um, Witch McComb, what's the guy? Mike Epps. That was real. Yeah, I was about to say, I think some That was the only real. one that yeah. was real, though. All the other ones I don't take serious. Yeah. But, whatever. You know, we won. We have bars. I feel like I could take Hazelie, and that's how I feel. And that's that. <laughs> So that's all the media we have for today. But we had a question of the week. And this was actually a listener-submitted question of the week. Um, so it was, what matters more in a potential meet, height or weight? Um, so we had some answers. It's me, Tierra. Four said height. My underscore monsters underscore and underscore me said height. With, you know, a bunch of exclamation points. XO flavored coffee said height. Freak of nature said weight. Reese P said neither, but then she followed up with, "I know she ain't gonna get on me for not picking." So thank I'll you. Wait. Thank you. Only if it impacts their mobility. Thank you. Um, uh, higher calling Z just was like, "Phew." Y'all didn't oh, answer, man. so don't. I don't. Miss <laughs> Vanessa two four seven said height. I like mine's thick. Guys, because I love engagement, but if we ask the question, you'd be like, "Whoa." They're like, dang, that's tough. <laughs> Follow up with an answer. They don't. They can't be thinking of answers. Follow up with an answer. So, what's your answer? Um, height. Mm-hmm. Out of the two, I would say height. Mm-hmm. Like, if he got some extra weight to him, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But I would prefer me to have to look up at him. <laughs> so, I actually um was faced with this question when I was filling out my um application for married at first sight. Because I genuinely don't care about height, um, but I had to answer the questions. Like, they was required for the application. So, for height, I, I mean, I, I, so I guess I will choose weight, but... But you like them chunky, so right, it don't even so matter. For me, it's like, don't be over 400 pounds. <laughs> That's a big just, opportunity, baby. I was trying to choose a number, like, above what I'll be accepting of, because for some people, like... 350, they don't carry it bad to me. For me to be attracted well, to Well, typically them. they're taller when they 350 and don't carry it bad. Yeah, for me to be attracted to them, 350, might, they might carry it fine. Nah, not, so, if they, not if they're your height. They got to have some height on them, sweets. Ain't nobody your height 350 carrying it well. They roly poly only. And I'm like saying, ain't nothing wrong with it. Roll <laughs> on. Roll on with Poli and Oli. You feel me? Ain't nothing wrong with it, by the way. I'm just saying, when you're short, 
It squishes down with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm an example. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. When you're tall and bigger, it just distributes a little bit different. Yeah. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what my answer was on application. So that's what my right. answer will be now. Because um, I genuinely don't care about height. You know what? <laughs> love who you love. Yeah. I mean, I love short, tall. Listeners submitted questions. We got another I do. one. So well, y'all see that one soon. But we do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for me, I just I I don't I genuinely don't care about height. I genuinely don't care about weight. Right. But if I had to choose, that's what I'm gonna choose. Right. Yeah. So, before we go to the main topic, because I always talked about, like, when I talk about housewives, and I feel like we heard back that people don't mind it. Yes. So, right now, I did, before we move forward to our main topic, Mm -hmm. do my little Bravo moment. That's what it's called now. A Bravo moment. Bravo moment. House of Potomac is on. Mm -hmm. Now... These housewives used to be my least favorite. They're slightly coming up the ranks, okay? I saw the preview for this season. I said, okay, so Bravo said, bring the heat, y'all getting fired, okay? And they brought it. You feel me? Now, the reason sometimes Potomac get my nerves is because that is in Maryland, so I'm like, rep it. Rep Maryland well, and they don't be sometimes. The hair, the makeup, rep us better. And I'm even going to say DMV because... Mm, only one of them actually live in Potomac, but we won't go there. <laughs> so this is what I want to say, and I'll make it quickly. Giselle is still Giselle, and she gets on my nerves. Mm-hmm. I find her so extra, mm-hmm. and she just reminds me of like a person who like graduated college five years ago, but still at all the parties. Oh. That's what she reminds me of. Her yeah. energy is very like, do you got anything else to do? Mm-hmm. Why are you here? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why. Ashley is interesting to me because she is now trying to have a baby and she keeps saying she's gonna, she's not drinking, but she always drinking. So I don't know. So she's supposed to be taking a break? She's supposed to be like really putting in effort because she had a miscarriage last season. Mm-hmm. So she's putting her health like it's her be. priority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of that for her was not drinking. Mm-hmm. So in coming from scene, she'd be like, you know, I've, I haven't been drinking in a month, and another scene, you know, I heard a drink in two weeks. <laughs> like the time frames be going, and then maybe they filmed it weird, cause you know, no. I, I mean, but sometimes they do that. Okay, go but. ahead, and give it to her. So <laughs> in the several episodes at Candace's wedding, she was drinking. Mm-hmm. Her uncle had a party. She was like, let's get shots. Mm-hmm. So oh, shots. All, I'm, all, all I'm saying is, you don't. If here's the thing, you can get pregnant and drink, so that's not a thing yeah, either. Yeah. But my whole thing is, you don't have to proclaim that. Just you can just do your best. But it's just weird how yeah. you keep talking about you not drinking, but you keep drinking. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um. Okay. Last but not least, because the past. Oh, Robin. Mm-hmm. Now. My beef with Robin is she's not even nowhere. She lives by Arundel Mills. So if you live in Baltimore, Maryland, every time they show that townhouse, I'm already annoyed. Not that it's not a nice townhouse, yeah, but I'm like, but she near- ain't nowhere near Potomac. Oh my gosh. And it, it just bothers me because I'm like, she is nowhere near Potomac. Yeah. I think her husband still works at Coppin. Uh, well, what? That's not her husband. Um. I'm They're divorced. They like, he works. He's a, like I think he's a basketball coach. I believe at Coppin. So they don't even be in Potomac. Thank you. So thank because that's you. like for example, um, Real Housewives of Atlanta. 
a lot of them live on the outskirts of Atlanta. But the thing about Atlanta is like, yes, if you get money, you move out of the city. But they spend a but lot. But you, you still spend a lot of time, time in, the city. in the city. And they live. They in a whole other metro area. They thank you. <laughs> they live a good distance from Potomac. Just That's for crazy. anyone who watches it yeah. and don't know different locations in Maryland, yeah. they're in a, a nice, healthy distance. <laughs> That's crazy. So that already irritates me because I'm like. You are not nowhere yeah. near at least the rest of them are somewhat kind of... Well, you know, they. You know what happened? They probably just was like, oh, they close. Let me apply. Just like I did with Married at First Sight. Technically, well, I mean, they see. selected her. Like, She's a apply. housewife. But sometimes it bothers me. Like, on the opening episode, her and her ex-husband, they're maybe figuring things out still, mm-hmm. were at the Pearl Spa. I go to that spa. So now it don't <laughs> feel like, I guess housewives for me is always just like, look, joyous life. Potomac made me feel like I live the way y'all live. <laughs> and I don't. Not for all of them. So I'm not stretching it like I got it like that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they're so normal where I'm like, give me Atlanta. You can see it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Definitely like Beverly Hills or New York. Mm-hmm. I just be wanting to see more. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, to wrap this up. For you to be a housewife then. For sure. <laughs> Certainly Potomac. Absolutely Potomac. <laughs> I could not get on those other ones, but Potomac, <laughs> yeah, boom, I'm I'm there. And actually, I don't think I think I don't think I would be a good fit with that group. Well, look, they need they need some shaking up. I feel like I would get along with Karen because I love her. She's so shady. The grandma, I think Grandma Dom, but I love how shady she mm-hmm. is. Um, I think I would get along with Monique. Mm-hmm. As she know, because she run her mouth too much, and Giselle is extra, and Robin and Giselle are like tink and tonk. They roll with each other, mm-hmm. so I probably wouldn't like Robin either. Okay, okay. Um, anyway, that's <laughs> all for my problem on for now. Okay. Anyway, my hope is this, that we really explore this Ashley and her husband situation, because there have been rumors, this is my last point, mm-hmm. there have been rumors about him being bisexual, which that's not a big deal, yeah. for the record. Yeah. But it's all these instances where... He makes comments about men, and in this last episode, he was had the mic, and it was kind of one of those situations where he probably didn't know his mic was on. Mm-hmm. He was talking to this guy. He's like, "Wow, you know, you really work out. You, you know." He said something like, "Oh, look at your butt. It's right hard." Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Robin says she heard him at one point at night say, "I would just suck his dick," mm-hmm. and then they clipped to him saying. Oh, I'm glad my mic was off. You know, I said some really weird things mm-hmm. that I don't want people to hear. So clearly that's going to be a big focal point this season. Mm-hmm. I am intrigued. He was also charged with sexual assault by one of the producers on the show who is a male. So it's just interesting that it's just interesting how this is going to roll. Yes. Yes. Right. Because it's like if he's bisexual. That's not a big deal. Yeah, that has they, nothing to do with it. Whether or not they want to keep it private. That's their business. That's but if he's grabbing people. Right. That's a whole separate. Not related to being bisexual. Absolutely that's a whole not. Issue. So I'm just interested in. Because it's like, wouldn't they kick. I would assume they would kick him off the show for that. I don't know. Well, he's not contracted on the show. The mm-hmm. husbands don't have contract. The wives do. But, well, so me, so thinking in as an employee, I don't deserve to be fired because I was the one that was assaulted. I don't but, I don't know how they make that work. Yeah, I don't know. Because, um, like, each, each housewife show is ran by a different production company, which I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I did. So... 
It depends on how the production company wants to yeah, handle it. Yeah, they find a local production company. Right? So which maybe I always like. So maybe he don't talent. do scenes with him or I don't know because yeah. it's not fair if he has to quit his job. I don't know how they're going to handle it. Yeah. He's still on the show. Yeah. And actually, current day is pregnant. Right. So he ain't going nowhere. Right. But I'm just curious to see how that's going to be blown up. Mm-hmm. Just right. all of that. Mm-hmm. That's a Bravo moment. Um, can't wait till Mary to Mary to Madison comes back. I was about to say, I feel like nothing's on TV right now, but Married at First Sight Charlotte comes back on June 7th, which I'm excited about. It's two black couples that are relatively young, like our age, so I'm excited about that. And then the week after that, Love After Lockup comes back, which I love, but I, they showed a like 15-minute clip, and I'm just like, y'all still in this mess, and y'all still acting like... Uh, 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 well, that's for life after lockup, but they still acting a fool. So we'll see. Um, I'm just ready for some shows to come back because I literally have nothing to watch. I mean, I, I'm watching. She's got to have it because I just dropped on Friday, but I don't have nothing like currently coming on TV to watch. Bravo. I would talk about. Um, I would talk about Housewives of New York, but I'm not updated. So okay. next okay. week. Next week for a Bravo moment okay. with Shanae. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so let's get into our topic. So, today you guys saw our post prior this week asking for your submitted questions. Thank you for submitting your questions. We'll be speaking with Chanel Jolie. She's an independent researcher, public speaker, and sexual educator focused on the topics of sexual development, sexual attitude and behaviors, and reproductive rights. How are you doing? I'm great. How are y'all doing? Good. Excited to to chat. (laughs) So, Sydney, you want to start off? (laughs) Well, so let's just start off with you tell us a little bit or tell the audience rather a little bit about the work you do and, you know, why you got started in the work that you do. Sure, sure. Um, So I am a sexologist, a researcher, um, activist, activist. all-around sex lady. Um, So basically, I got into this. um, My background is in psychology. And I said I didn't really want to do, like, clinical psychology. So one day I was having a conversation with some homegirls, and the conversation turned to sex, as it always does. (laughs) And um, it was kind of a, a light bulb moment. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if there's something I can do with this as, like, psychology, but also can be helpful in the sexual health arena. And that's kind of how it started. Um, I started out as a researcher first, then an educator, then I went back to school again. So it just kind of built from there. Um, and so <clears throat> when I'm not doing, like, community work or um, and whatnot, uh, I do research, and my research usually um, centers black women, women of African descent, and my main set of research is trying to figure out how black women learn about sex and sexuality, and based on how they learn about sex and sexuality, their attitudes and behaviors towards sex and sexuality. So if you, you know, grew up churchy, then you might, you know, um, view sex differently than somebody who, I don't know, grew up with hippie parents or something like that, for example. So um, I'm trying to, like, wrap my head around what are some trends, what are some things that are affecting us now that come from our history, things like that. So that's me in a nutshell. That's amazing. Um, And so, like, one of the things that you said I 
always kind of want to get more information about and just talk more about because, you know, there's like this stereotype of like the church girl, you know, always turns sure. out to be like the most like the wild, yeah, the freakiest, promiscuous yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. girls. So, like, can you give us a little bit more background about that? And, like, even if that's true on, like, a grander scale? Um, I I don't like to generalize or stereotype. I really try to stay from that. But I will speak to what you normally see is a rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, and it might not even be your typical, like, what you think rebellion, like, teenager rebellion. It's a rebellion against ideas that you were taught that you may not have gone beyond that bubble. Mm. Um, and so, what you know what I mean? So, like, if you're always taught, like, if you think about that, well, I know I was told in church, I grew up Baptist, and they told us at the teen little thing, um, you know, they had a little teen week or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you even think about having sex, it's like you already have sex with that person. Yeah. And that blew my mind because I was like, what? <laughs> so you mean I'm already on my way to hell? Got it. So <laughs> why you, <laughs> you know that kind of thing? And so that's what you grow up thinking, or you know, your family or your church that they don't talk about healthy relationships, they don't talk about sex, feelings, you know, changes, things like that. Then you know you're out here in the dark and then once you become quote-unquote grown then you're like oh bump it I can do whatever I want Mm -hmm. and so that's what I feel like that rebellion or that stereotype comes from it may just be this is what you're taught 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 but you've had no chance or no you know reason to really go beyond that line of thinking so that's kind of where I see in the research that I've talk to a lot of women grew up in you know some kind of religious background and 99% of the time um, you know either their church did not talk about sex and sexuality at all or it was like in a negative context right mm-hmm. well I know I think about myself when you because mm-hmm. like I grew up I'm a Christian and I grew up in a Baptist church and so mm-hmm. no I don't think my church they didn't have a negative connotation with it but we didn't talk about it either Mm -hmm. but I did grow Mm -hmm. up in a very open home where um, Mm -hmm. my questions were always answered Mm -hmm. there wasn't any like shame there wasn't if I was like mom was head she probably was like uh all right but she would tell me (laughs) what it is if I said what does this mean or what is that she would always would just tell me and so because of that, I feel like as I grew up, I, I didn't feel a need to rebel because I guess for me in my household, it wasn't like this terrible thing. It wasn't a, if you have sex, you're going to hell. Not yeah. for, that wasn't, right. that wasn't put upon me. It was yeah. more like be safe, mm-hmm. you know, try not to have regrettable experiences, mm-hmm. do what you right. think is best. But I never was in a place where I, I couldn't talk to my mom. Like, even today, like, I could talk to my mom about anything. Mm-hmm. I could tell her I had sex with someone last night and there was nothing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just how close that's my mom amazing. is. But I feel that's like amazing. I was lucky now that I'm an adult. I realized how fortunate mm-hmm. I was to have such an open household when it came to, like, sex and relationships. Mm-hmm. So I feel exactly. like that helped me to be 
a little bit more secure in my sexuality mm-hmm. and not to have like mm-hmm. um maybe shame or questions about it yeah and like right. for me i was raised in a christian household but it was just like just don't do it wait till marriage right mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. in church mm-hmm. it was even like oh masturbation means that you're not happy where you are that's not you know being happy with your place in life and so it was very mm. much like you know just wait till marriage right and outside of that don't do it like, right so it wasn't the whole like open environment of what is it yeah what are these terms like what does all this mean it was just a very much like just wait till marriage right that's it <laughs> right and, you know, I've heard that a lot with the, the women I spoke with. And I'm like, okay, you tell me to wait for marriage, but it's a whole lot of steps <laughs> to get to that, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, you get married and then what? Y'all just looking at each other? Like, <laughs> right. Basically. <you> know? <laughs> <laughs> so, in your, like, professional opinion, what is, like, what time will be the right time to start talking to you? your children about sex and like explaining to them like truthfully you know what it is not no like stork analogy but like really giving right. the details of what is sex what it produces like all of those things or do you wait till the kid asks like i yeah. know for me i asked and i was answered but yeah. is it a do you wait till they I bring think. it up or do you bring it up they never bring it up yeah I think it's kind of a combination of both. What I tell parents is that you can start sex education really young. And that starts with, like, giving them proper names for body parts. Yeah. No pocketbook, PP, whatever people be saying, <laughs> you know. He knows the little nicknames. It's all kind of mm-hmm. names that I've never heard of. And I'm like, what is that? Um, but I think that it starts there. And that's something that, you know, us of a, a toddler can, you know, grapple with, can digest, and then you build upon that. Um, now, as kids, like, go into school and are around more, you know, um, people and watch more TV and have access, like, kids now have so much access more than I did. I'm in my mid-30s, and so there was no internet you know what I mean? I had Saturday morning cartoons, after school cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, but now kids know how to work the YouTube and all the, you know, the things better than me. And so, like, they have so much access. So I think that some of it has to be, like, you know, kind of proactive mm-hmm. um, instead of a reactive thing. But then also you don't want to do too much and it's, like, overwhelming. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's good to be proactive and check in with your kids and, you know, be honest and um, let them know that there's different families with different kinds of ways. And, like, these are things that are all, in my opinion, sex education without it being the scary talk that, you know, parents don't want to have. But it also builds a foundation. It sounds like, you know, you know, like I had and like one of you had, like, you know, where you can talk to your parents as you go throughout so that way they don't have to rely on their friends or TV or Internet and things like that to really teach them when they can just go to you. And so I think that it starts young if you kind of form that foundation and that bond early and build on that. And Because they will ask questions. They'll hear a word at school. 
Right. And say, hey, mom, what is such and such? And you'd be like, all right, well, we can talk about this thing. And then you check in with them. Do you have any questions? You know, what else have you heard in school? You know, and it just also keeps you informed, too, mm-hmm. about what's going on in their world. Because, you know, we can be so separated as adults. We're like, I was a little kid. And they're like, no, it's a, lot, it's a lot going on, you know, especially now. So I think, you know, to answer your question, it can start early. And then I think if you build upon that, then it won't be such a thing. Like, you can't wait till, you know, your kid is, like, 16 and be like, okay, let's talk about sex. You late. Right. Right. You late. (laughs) (laughs) You know, not to say that they're out here, you know, um, doing things, but you're late. But they're certainly hearing about it and mm -hmm. seeing it. Um, I wondered, because Cindy and I have had debates about kids and masturbation she like found an article about Mm -hmm. like basically this little girl like took her mother's like bullet vibrator Mm -hmm. and the mother let Let her have it it. yeah and i was like oh lord (laughs) because first of all i don't believe in sharing toys i just don't oh yeah i don't believe but then two i believe she's like 10 i think she was 13 no she was younger she wasn't 13 but maybe 12 11 a younger preteen whatever yeah the thought of like and then it's these like parent forums where this chats about buying their kid Mm -hmm. some sort of sex toy and for me i'm like hump a pillow i i can't (laughs) buy my 12 year old 12 year old a vibrate like mentally i like i definitely would would never tell my child masturbation isn't... I would never say it's bad. I would say it's natural, what you're feeling, the urges. But I don't feel like I could be like, all right, let's get you a bullet. Like, I just feel like I just am not that advanced. Yeah. I just feel like, use your hands or something. I can't buy my 12-year-old. I just like, the mental thought of me going to the store, you know, can't do it. So, so yeah, what's your opinion? your thoughts? And just to give you a little bit more background, I think this came up because in television and media and things, we always see um, mothers primarily with their sons knowing that he's, you know, getting older, he's going through um like the preteen years and he's masturbating mm-hmm. more often right but you in the never yeah the magazines you never hear about that with their daughters though and so it's like this thing of like well how do they learn that how do they explore like what does that have right. so that's kind of how that came that debate or discussion rather came to be between me and Shanae and so what what would be your opinion on you know kind of masturbation for, you know, younger children, I guess, yeah. Sure. So, um, I think what we have to realize is that when kid, if you catch a young kid, like, I'm talking young, like, pre-K age or something, because they haven't been, they don't necessarily relate it to a sexual feeling. mm they just now it feels good. This what this happening right now feels good, and so I think that it's a it's a, it's a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. You can talk to them about like, okay, this is what's happening. You know, we do this in privacy, so then not you know out in public. Because <laughs> <laughs> definitely seeing kids out in public, like you tell like, oh, I just I just figured this out. All right, <laughs> let me get through it. Um, 
And so I think it's something to be discussed, like you both said, you know, openly, um, but also I think there's still an age-appropriate way to do it. Mm-hmm. Would I get my five-year-old a bullet? No, I would not. <laughs> um, you know, and I think, I feel like, you know, depending on your relationship with your teenager, if you have a teenager, if you feel like it's appropriate, then you can discuss it. You can figure out, like, you know, because when I talk to parents, they're so concerned about, like, their kids, both, you know, all all ginger children going out and having sex. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you talk to them about their bodies and it's okay to have these feelings and, you know, normalize masturbation, then, you know, they can get some of that energy out without having to, you know, be with somebody else. Right. right. So that's what you're concerned about, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Um. So... If it feels like, okay, this is, you know, because sometimes we, as grown adults, like, sometimes you're like, let me go ahead and handle business. I have this energy I need to get out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm telling on myself or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but it's just like, I have this energy. And it's the same thing with teens, you know, but as a grown person, I'm able to recognize it, put language to it, and, you know, decide accordingly. As, as young people, their brains are not fully formed, so it could be impulse. It could be, you know, a lot of things. So I think that's why, as adults, it's important for us to normalize things and talk openly mm-hmm. as possible. And then, you know, the the vibrator thing, I feel like there's an age limit to that, but I can't give you, like, this age is appropriate or not. I think it depends. Right. Yeah. Not for my kids. <laughs> When she can buy her own. She's like, absolutely not. What we won't do is nope. go to the stove. I'm sorry. That's the wild for me. I'm not buying my kid a vibrator. Okay. When she get of age and she can do what she do, do your thing. I am that's not doing that. That's the boundary for me. That's hilarious. Oh. And it's good that you recognize that. So then you can, you know, be like, okay, you can talk to your auntie or whoever. You know, if you need to tap out, then tap out. I feel like that's also a valid response because that can be a lot to wrap your mind around. Right. <laughs> she, look, she want to do her thing. I'm just not buying her a vibrator. <laughs> My kid, I'm just not buying her one. You got urges? Handle them. I feel you. Mom does too. I'm not buying her vibrator. Oh, I will always have conversations. That's just my little boundary. That's all. But um, <laughs> moving to more couples and adults. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. do you think people have such a hard time expressing what they like in their bedroom? Because like I have girlfriends and, and we'll talk and and they'll say, "Oh, I wish mm-hmm. you would do this. Or I wish you would do that." And I always say. Why don't you tell them? Like, mm-hmm. why not say this is what I like? Can you try this? Why do you think people are so fearful to tell somebody what they like sexually? I think it boils down to one, they don't want to feel judged. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to say, I like purple feathers or something. Mm-hmm. And the other person's like, what? That's weird. Go away. <laughs> you know, I think it's. Uh, I think it's judgment. I think it's rejection. I also think at the basis of that is 
not being allowed to um, talk openly about sex and sexuality. Mm -hmm. So just like we were saying before, you know, if you have never had the language around, like, the things you like, um, then it can be really isolating for people or they can not fully express themselves the way they may want to because they have a fear of being judged. And um, I think that if you're in a partnership with somebody, even if it's a situationship, like, I think it's still important to talk about it. I know my mom always said, if you're grown enough to have sex, you need to be grown enough to talk about it. Amen. And that's something that really stuck with me. And so, you know, with every partner or lover or who, however I want to call them, you know, I'm always like, okay, so let's talk about this. And I think it's also a good way to, like, make little mental note. And I think it's also a good, like, foreplay conversation. Like, you get yourself hyped up off of one of these conversations if you do it right. right. You know, like, you can make some little, you can make some pop up after the conversation. <laughs> oh, that's how I think you mentioned, you know, or something like that. Um, but I think it's just about taking away some of the taboo around sex and sexuality. Like, there's so many, you know, things to enjoy and like, and we have all these senses we can use and so many. I mean, it's so, it's so vast that we tend to, like, boil it down to, like, three positions, one room in the house, you know, things like that, when it could just be so much more. But I think people ultimately are, you know, ashamed to or feel like they would be judged. Um, And then some people do have kinks and different, like, that may seem, you know, quirky or something like that, and they're just like, well... I'm just going to keep that to myself unless they find a community of folks that they know also share in that, you know, particular fantasy or kink or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if someone, if they're like married, for example, and one has a kink that they have not expressed to their spouse, what would you suggest? Like, how would they introduce that to them? Should it just be, you know, brought up in a random conversation or like how should they bring that up and what's the best way to bring that up for their partner to try it, I guess. Well, they didn't marry now. <laughs> I mean, after we didn't marry, you bring it up? Yeah. I'd be irritated just because of that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think I will start out saying that people do evolve and grow and come into themselves over and over again. We think since we become, you know, quote-unquote grown, that we just stay grown. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we can become different versions of ourselves, and we can have an experience that, you know, changes our lives or, you know, all these things. So to expect somebody to stay the same forever is, one, unrealistic, and two, unfair, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I think that... um, I think it's important to know your partner. If you're talking about a marriage or something, um, then hopefully you have that foundation of, you know, checking in. And with any, not just marriage, not just marriage, any partnership, any configuration, um, just checking in with your partner or partners and just saying, like, are you fine? Like, what are you thinking about? Just, you know, like, staying on the same page, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like once you do that, you know if 
you can surprise your partner. Some people are like down for the cause, right? Like right now, like what we doing today? I'm here for it. Um, other people are like, what? We need to have. I need a PowerPoint presentation, three references. Like you know, <laughs> some people. You know, I feel like it's important to know who your partner or partners are too. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that will, you know what I mean. So that will determine how you bring it up. Um, and I think that you have to create a safe space for yourself and be prepared to not have the other person fully understand or accept what you're saying too. Um, and that, and then that's going back to you know knowing the other person's upbringing, like. Are they, you know, typically a little more shy? Are they outgoing? How do they grow up? Do they have boundaries around um, sex? You know, there are all these, like, factors. So there's no really one way to bring it up. But I do say be as open as possible and, you know, kind of really know who you're talking to because, you don't want it to turn into a fight. You don't want it to turn into other things. So I think it's, it's being careful with the other person um, as well so they can actually hear you, you know, because you know the conversation you have and you're not really hearing them. You have already fixed up your mind. And you already got your responses on deck, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But you have to, like, be open and sexuality is a space to be open and flexible and trying things, and you can try it and hate it and be like, no, we ain't going to do that no more. <laughs> you have to find some, you know, you have to find some, I don't know what you're going to do, but we're not going to do that together no more. <laughs> and that's fine, you know, and then that's another conversation you have to have, but I think that, you know, it's about really knowing who you're talking to and then bringing, bringing it up accordingly. Got you. Okay. That, make, that makes perfect sense to me. It does. I mean, I've never been... I mean, I get it because I'm more expressive now than when I was first in the throes of passionate lovemaking. And now, <laughs> now, now I'm a lot more clear and expressive than I was before. And I think it takes time to get comfortable with yourself and your sexuality right. and to feel like this is what I like mm-hmm. and don't feel right. any way about this is what I like. So that takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have that problem now. Um, um, do you believe in like the term soul ties? Because I see debates about this all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a. I don't really have an opinion about it. I just hear the perspective of either a that's BS. Mm-hmm. Why put that on women? Why can't? Women just have sex the way men do. You don't think that with men. Yeah. Why is that this thing? And on the other hand, like, I get both sides. I don't have an opinion. I just wondered, as a professional, you, you know, do you... I'm, I'm not going to say... Not necessarily believe in it, but what are your thoughts on this concept of soul ties where somehow it's kind of like women need to be careful who they sleep with because it's like it takes a piece of your soul or a piece <laughs> of them is left with you behind of them is left with you. Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> that whole concept. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe I don't think about it that deep like that. But um and I don't I say people. I don't think it's just I don't think it's just, you know, 
women identified folks because I know plenty, 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 <laughs> you know, cisgender, heterosexual men who get all caught up sounding like, uh, what's the man named Drake on the song, you know, <laughs> and they feel this about stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. Like, we are humans. I feel like some people are able to kind of separate love from sex. Some people are not. And I think, um, I tell people, like, you need to, you know, if you feel like you've been a hoe for the summer, like, you need to hoe responsibly. Mm-hmm. Like, and people laugh at me, but I'm like, no. Like, if you know you're going to fall in love after having sex one time, then you need to evaluate that and say, okay, well, is this something I really need to do? What am I actually looking for? Things like that. Um, as far as soul ties, I do feel like we ought to be um, – mindful, I don't even say careful, mindful of who we choose to sleep with because there is that um, exchange of energy and um, and I feel like energy is very, very important and I think it's something that we should protect and guard mm-hmm. um, and I think that not everybody should have access to your energy and space. Um, and so that's kind of where I think of it that way. Um, yeah, that person may be cute or whatever, but, like, do you really, you know, you really like them or did you, what you trying to figure out, you know? So I feel like it's about checking in with yourself, too. But, this, like, the term soul ties, like, I get it. Um, but I And I also don't think I think of it in the way that you kind of describe, like, leaving a piece of yourself behind. I mean, mm, <laughs> I don't, I guess I don't really have a, a solid opinion on it either, but I do think that, you know, if soul ties means, you know, exchange of energy and, you know, like, your energy being affected, oh, absolutely. Then, uh, yeah. If soul ties means energy, then yes. I do believe in it. Um, because, that is really real, especially for people who are empaths and they absorb other people's, you know, stuff, you know, mm-hmm. their, their good and bad stuff. Like, you can really feel a physical impact um, there. But, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, per se. Well, you gave me a That's what Sort of, kind of. <laughs> so, um... Kind of to backtrack just a little bit, but not necessarily for children, but even for adults. I feel like, like I said before, men talk about masturbation like it's eating dinner. Like, I feel like for them it's such a, like, easy thing. Do you feel like there's a, like, abnormal amount of masturbation for one to partake in? Because I even know people that have to do it to go to sleep, which I'm like, okay, just go to sleep. But I'm not. That seems like a lot. (laughs) But <laughs> I'm not that person. Know, right. I don't know that homo level. <laughs> right. So is there like an abnormal amount that they like that could be excessive or is there just it's different for everybody? I do think it differs for everybody. I think um when it becomes an issue is if it interferes with what you gotta do for the day. Mm-hmm. If it is, you know, interfering with your family time, your work, your whatever activities you have going on, if it's interfering, and this is with anything, if it's interfering 
with, you know, your mental health, if you feel like, you know, you're feeling super attached to this behavior in connection to something else, then I think it's worth looking into. But as far as, like, you know, uh, if you do it five times a day, no, I don't have a number for it. But I do think that if, if anyway, it interferes with what you have going on or if it's kind of taking over your mental space, then that's something to look into. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you think there is a connection between um, having a positive self-esteem about oneself and how sexually promiscuous they are? Um, because... For, you know, we're two plus-size women. And some people feel that as a plus-size woman, you feel like you have to be, I guess, freakier because we're, quote-unquote, less desirable. Um, And so I just wanted to know if you feel like that's a valid um, connection or if that's, like, just, you know, branches across people and it could be anything that, you know, makes people be promiscuous. They could choose to just be promiscuous. Somebody made that up. Ain't no connection. <laughs> Did you hear that, guys and gals? You heard that, right? Somebody that told somebody wrong. Um, no. So, I don't... I feel like, you know, we have to be mindful of this, like, body positivity. Like, I'm a part of that movement. And I also think we have to um, still be cautious of the movement, if mm-hmm. this makes sense, in the in the sense that um, connecting, like, body size to health and body size to sexuality can get really tricky really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just what you said, you know, like, if it, like, plus women um, have to, you know, I guess, not prove themselves, but yeah, I've heard that before. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. what what's happening out here? Like, and I've even had to check people personally, you know, about discriminating against bigger women or things like that. I'm like, for what though? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so no, I don't, I don't think there's a connection. I think people make that connection because of some fat phobia. I think there's some other stuff that's being placed on people, but I don't think there is a, I don't have no science with that. I'll yeah. say it like that. <laughs> you know, as a researcher, I'm going to get to the bottom of things. There ain't no science around that. Um, <laughs> I feel like people will have all the sex, none of the sex, part of the sex, and it's all shape, sizes, abilities, everything. So mm-hmm. there's no um, correlation there, and they got to stop that. They got to share with that. Like, that really, that's one thing that will get on my nerves, like, um, trying to associate certain behaviors or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, mm. anyway, before I go off on the tangent, <laughs> I don't want it later to come out. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I feel you. So, for someone that is in a relationship, what is a way that they can, like, make themselves feel desirable? What's a way to, I guess, you know, light the flame, as they would say, um, within their sexual relationship so that it doesn't get, I guess, redundant? Sure. 
Um, well, when I talk to people, um, when I talk to women, um, and I ask them, like, you know, I ask them, like, what are the things that make you happy, that bring you joy, <clears throat> that make you feel sexy? Is it a certain pair of hoops? Is it, I, I tell people, like, wear lingerie to work. Mm-hmm. Under your clothes. Don't get fired. <laughs> Under your clothes. Um... You know, like, or a sexy pair of panties or no panties or whatever it is. And it's, like, your own little secret in a way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're a partner, you can be like, yo, I ain't got no panties on today. <laughs> you know, you can text them that. And they might be like, oh, word. You know, and that could be a whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. You can build up the um, anticipation throughout the day. And so when you see each other, it's on. Um I think another thing is to make sex fun. I feel like we get really stressed out about sex. And I understand why there's all this pressure on, you know, cisgender men to be like, you know, I know what I'm doing at all times. I'm leading the way, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, for, you know, cisgender women, it's kind of like, well, I need to be like this, you know, super sexy, hair blown in the wind, you know, all those kind of stuff. Siren, if you will. And we have to, like, calm down. Like, sex is not always like it is on movies and TV. It can be clumsy. You know, you can fall off the bed. I mean, you know, all kind of stuff. You you have to, like... (laughs) I mean, listen, like, woo! Woo, you know, some injuries can happen off of that. But, you know, it could be a funny story mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. And I think I always tell people incorporate some fun games. You know, you can uh, old school hide and go get it or, you know, all kind of stuff that you can do to, like, make it a little more fun. I think that if we take some of the, you know, heaviness out of it, then we could just all have a, a little better time mm-hmm. out there. Um, you know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of times it's like performance-based sex. And I'm like, this is not, you know, a test or a presentation at work. Like, this is supposed to be fun. The journey is supposed to be fun. And I feel like if it's orgasm-centered, like, I have to get you there, that kind of thing, but you're not even thinking about anything else. You're so focused on the end that you're not even thinking about getting, you know, on the way to. Mm-hmm. So I think, of, you know, I think it's a, a lot of it is, you know, our biggest sex organ is our brain. I feel like if our brain is rewired, we have to unlearn some things societal-wise, you know, um, with your aunties and uncles and people who raised you, taught you, I feel like, you know, we would we would fare a little better. Right. Do you think, like you mentioned, like the heaviness of being in your mind, do you think that really contributes to why women don't orgasm at the same, like, percentage as men? Do you feel like it's the visual act itself? Like, maybe they're not in the right position? Or do you feel like, or maybe it's both, where it's partly the mental, like you said, women feel like they need to present themselves or they're thinking about how they look right now so they're not able to actually, like, let their bodies enjoy because, like, we do not right. orgasm the way men do. Right. Like, they um, they get off a lot easier, it seems like. <laughs> 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 I 
So what I will say, if we're talking about heterosexual sex, yeah, we have to consider that the sexual response cycles of each person is going to be different. It takes, you know, women and for everybody listening, I'm talking about heterosexual sex between a cisgender woman and a cisgender man. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about these two people, like the woman is going to her it's like that roller coaster ride, like it's a little slow going up, you know, slow, 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 slow. And for a man, it might be like skydiving, like we jumping off the plane, I'm ready to go. Um, so that's two totally different things, right? So I think it's about meeting somewhere in the middle and being cognizant of like the bodies are going to be different. So everybody's not, everybody don't come at the same time like they do um, in the movies. Like I see that all the time and I'm like, all right. I know y'all press the time here in the scene, but this is not how it goes. Um, but I will say that um, a lot of times women are in their heads, and men too, but if I'm talking about women, they're in their heads about, like you said, how they look, you know, can he see this roll on the side? Um, you know, what my hair is looking like, what my face looks like, all these things. And then so you're also not thinking about, like, just being in the moment and being present or, you know, things like that. Um, and then also, I feel like, well, it's statistically um, noted that women orgasm more from clitoral stimulation than vaginal penetration. Yeah. So that's something that we really have to recognize. Like, you know, there are plenty of women who like to be penetrated, but they're not necessarily going to come from that, uh, to orgasm from that. So, like, you got to know your anatomy, people, people who give head to women or people with vaginas and vulvas. Like, you have to know, like, Learn how to get hit, and we would have a lot more orgasms. Um, do you? <laughs> and not necessarily you know, you can use your hands, all that stuff, but I feel like really knowing and asking the person, like asking the person um, that you're pleasing, what do you like? Tell me what you like while I'm doing the thing, whatever the thing is. Do you like this thing? You know, and then ask the direction. So I mean, it'll it'll be a much better process, I think, if people either ask for what they want, and then the other person be open to receiving directions. Do you do do you help people with that eating hoot nanny? Because like I I I laugh. You use the fake name hoot nanny. Vagina, I'm an adult vagina. Um, the reason I say that is because, like, I, there's tons of classes. Like, we did one once. It was tickle his pickle. I don't. It was one of those classes. But I always see classes for that. But I don't see the reverse. And I be feeling like they could they could use that too. But then I wonder if, and I'm talking about heterosexual men, if they would be open to taking a class because I say they should. I'm just saying. Yeah, totally. Totally, yeah. I do help people with that, and I'm really hoping to, um, like, there's some colleagues I have that I know they do head classes, and they mainly do 
um, you know, oral sex for people with penises. Right. But um, I think that, you know, I definitely give a class on, you know, how to, like, give head. And, you know, there's, like, we have, like, literal peaches. <laughs> and, like, like, you guys forget, you know, like, I have diagrams. I'm, like, that person because I'm, like, I need everybody to actually know what's going on here. Um, and I do wish I saw more of that. Like you said, like, I really wish I saw more, you know, head classes for people with, you know, clits because that's important. And to know that the statistic is out there that most folks with, you know, vaginas don't orgasm from penetration. So that, I mean, that just tell you right there, you know, it might be pleasurable, but it may not get you you know, where you're trying to go. Yeah. Right. So I think I've also, speaking of like, you know, being able to orgasm, I've read a couple of articles and there are a number of women that when masturbating specifically, but you know, any other time as well, they can't orgasm without a toy. Do you think that's abnormal? Do you think that's healthy? Do you think that, you know, those women just may need to learn more about their bodies, you know, alone? Um, like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, are they with, are you saying, like, they can't orgasm with, while they're with partners without a toy, or? Either with partners or, or by themselves. Either. Um, I think it sounds like, you know, they found something that works. And they're kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what it kind of sounds like. Mm -hmm. Um, If you know what works and you need a quick fix and you ain't got all day, then, you know, you kind of know how to get yourself there um, sooner than later. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. I do think that it's important for us to um, explore our bodies and figure out all the erogenous zones and the places of pleasure on our body. I think a lot of times we focus just on, you know, like genitals and maybe your nipples and maybe your neck, and that's it. But we have a whole body to explore that you just never know, you know, unless you kind of explore it. And I tell people, whether you're partnered or not, you can you can find out these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think there's anything that's really abnormal with that. Uh, it sounds like that, like I said, they figured out what worked for them, and they got they found the spot, and <laughs> they hit the spot, and they move on about their day. So, right. oh, I guess I guess that makes sense. Like you find what works, you stick with it. You don't need to find a replacement. <laughs> yeah, not really, you know. And I tell, I also tell people like, yeah, you know, it's good to still explore. If you're by yourself and you're like, I got ten minutes. You know, I got 10 minutes to make this happen. Then, of course, you know, um, but I always, you know, encourage people to explore more and, you know, find out different things that you may like for yourself. Right. That makes sense. So what do you think some of, like, the keys to, like, a happy, long-lasting sexual relationship, what would be the keys to having that? You've got to communicate. Kate, mm-hmm. um, first and foremost, um, you got to communicate. you got to check in. Um, 
has anything changed? What kind of relationship are y'all in? Because that can affect your sex life, too. If you're in a situationship and somebody catch feelings, then what? Or if y'all are, you know, dating and you get engaged, you move in, then that can change things. Then what? So I feel like when you get married, that can change things. Then what? If you have a kid together, you know, all these things could affect your relationship. But I think that the basis of it is communication and, you know, being open-minded. Whether or not you have vanilla sex all the time or not, that's totally fine. But I think just, you know... Being in the moment is really, really helpful because if you're already on tomorrow's lunch and the things you got to do tomorrow while you're having sex, then you're not really there. You know, you on tomorrow. So I think it's about, you know, checking in with your partner and really seeing what they like, don't like, have things changed, is there something new that you want to try? And, you know, you can try something and not like it or, you know, in your head, it was a good idea, but in actuality, it's like, ah, maybe not. That's totally fine, too, but I feel like if you're open, you be like, remember that time we tried that thing? Mm-hmm, that was a mess. And then you can laugh about it and move on, you know? So I think it's about just being flexible and staying open-minded. I can't say that enough and really checking in because, you know, in any kind of situation you're in, any kind of relationship configuration, you're still with somebody else, another human, and so you have to check in with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? Like, and really say, like, you good? And it can even be a you good, you know? And <laughs> they know what that means, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, I get that. Um, and so I think one of the one things that we also wanted to kind of hit on is, of course, it's in the media every day and the news. And of course, um, I'm referring to the abortion bans and people get abortions for, you know, a number of different reasons. People get abortions in relationships. People get abortions when they're single. Um, what are your thoughts on like kind of the legislation and all of the conversations going on right now around abortion? So, <laughs> what I think is that banning abortion is not going to be helpful for anyone. Mm-hmm. And and now before, let me do a disclaimer. This is solely my opinion. It's not the opinion of anyone else. I stand by my opinion one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, what I will say is. Banning abortion only leads to unsafe abortions. It's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. Banning abortions is not going to stop abortion from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that people really get, I don't know, like a ban is not going to stop anything. Banning guns ain't stopping people from buying them. Thanks. You know, come on. Banning <laughs> this war on drugs and stop drugs. Right. You know, like banning things is not, that's not how people work. Mm-hmm. So we got to chill on that. So I think we have to have access to safe, the option to, access to the option of safe abortion. And banning abortion just leads to some back alley stuff from back in the day. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. are already, you know, states, uh, I believe it's um, Mississippi or something, they have one abortion clinic in the entire state. Yeah. 
And there are several states like that where they, you know, things are being closed left and right, clinics are being closed left and right Mm -hmm. because they can't get funding. I mean, it's just a trickle-down effect. And people keep attacking Planned Parenthood and clinics like that, but abortion is only like 3% of their whole services. Right. You know what I mean? They do testing, they do cancer screening. They do all kinds of other things, education, outreach, all this stuff. Abortion is one of the smallest percentages of services that they do, and they want to shut down and defund and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think people hear the word abortion and immediately get triggered, and I can, I I mean, I guess I get it, Um, and if I'm choosing pro-choice or pro-life, I'm pro-choice 100%. Mm-hmm. And my thing is, I tell people, you can be pro-life for yourself. You can absolutely be pro-life for yourself. But how are you able to fix your mouth and regulate what somebody else is doing with their body? Right. I can't I can't dodge with that. We agree. Because I really wish somebody would be like, uh, Chanel, which you can't. I can't what? <laughs> absolutely not. Like, I'm the last person. Ooh, that's just not a good idea to do that. So that's kind of, I think about it from a personal level. If somebody's coming at you like, okay, well, you can't uh, wear red anymore. You know, like, what is that? That just, I, I, and I know that's a simple example, but it's just like, you can't regulate that. And right. so when you, if you ban the color red from all states, like, somebody's going to still wear red. Like, this is just how it happens with anything. You think about even prohibition from back in the day. Mm-hmm. People will find a way to get their drink. Right. So, you know, like, it's the same thing here. Not to, you know, trivialize abortion, because there's so many reasons, like you said, that people feel like they need to get abortions. And then I also want to make sure that all genders, I want to make sure I say this, all genders get abortions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know we tend to say women and say women all the time, um, but it's all genders. And we need to, like, extend that. Trans folks already have all these barriers against them and they'll have access to care as it is. Right. So imagine, you know, you're going in as a trans person and you want to get an abortion? Lord have mercy. Lord, right. Like, that's already all these barriers stacked up against you. Yeah. So, if you're asking me in my opinion, that's this band. <laughs> I, I don't, like, I wish I could come for real. I'm trying to be good. Um, like, I, I'm not here for it at all. And I stand behind these reproductive justice movements like Spark in Atlanta um, Sister Song, Sister Love, all these places that, you know, really try to fight. And it's tiring. It's tiring yeah. to think that, you know, these people, and we, we tend to blame it on, like, all white men. Mm-hmm. And it's not just them, because right. the governor of Alabama is an old, older white lady. Mm-hmm. So let's be clear. Yeah. That's fifty three percent. I just called him a fifty three percent that voted this man into office mm-hmm. as president. I refuse to say his name. But <laughs> you know, so let's be clear, like this this whole like what, 
just so much effort, but, but I will, <laughs> I'm trying to reel it in, I'm trying to reel it in, because it's just really, really, really frustrating to me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really frustrating, but I will say that banning abortion is not going to stop abortion. Yeah. So I cannot say that enough. I have to, I've had to say that um, it's just going to cause more death, more disfigurations, more infections, more trauma, more hurt along the line, and it costs way more to treat somebody long-term than to, you know, have an abortion one time. So, I'm going to stop right there for right now, unless you have a follow-up on that, because, whoo, maybe you're going to be like, okay, okay, we're hanging up now. Uh-oh. <laughs> you're going to still be, like, rambling. No, you're fine. No, very People's comments about it is frustrating. It's like and uninformed. Very, and yeah. I just be feeling like I can't fight with everybody, and I gotta <laughs> not comment yeah. with everybody. But it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah, and I it is exhausting, and I hate that it's so tied to like religious belief. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you hear people like talking about um, um, like Bible verses and things like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. But, no. You know, there's just so many, ugh, I don't know. People try to tie it to all these things, and I'm like, y'all, it's not even about any of that. It's right. really not. I don't like how they do that either. Yeah, yeah. Because there's other Bible quotes I can pull out that people ain't living <laughs> by. And so for me, okay, I identify as Christian. And so for me, mm-hmm. I don't like how people pick and choose what they want to live by. Mm-hmm. And I find Hello. that frustrating. Yeah. Um. Especially in regards to legislation, because Presby Church, I mean, it shouldn't even be crossed over, but I don't like how people quote certain things, Mm because there's other things the Bible says that you're not living by, so how do you justify what you're quoting? Because the Lord said, love everybody. I ain't doing that either, so serve everybody. (laughs) I mean, the the Bible says a lot, so that's Mm -hmm. why I don't like... In this case, in another case, when people just use the Bible for random things they want to get support for, because like their stuff, because Lord said, "Love everybody, yeah, don't judge, <laughs> serve others, yeah, accept everybody." And my thing is, and that's the last thing I'm gonna say about this. So, see, I didn't got me started. That's the <laughs> last thing I'm gonna say about it, and I'm gonna be quiet on this. <laughs> is that criminalizing abortion only causes more harm because a lot of these bills are saying. Oh, you can't even leave your state yeah. and go have an abortion because now you're going to jail. The doctor that says that it's okay and perform the abortion is going to jail for 99 years and then this, that, and the other. But I'm like, I bet you these senators, congressmen, politicians, judges, blah, blah, blah. I know they can find access to abortion. Oh, yeah. How about of that? course. Of course. There's a whole lot of kids that's not here. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't found the clinic that they need to find. Yeah. How come everybody else can't have access to? Right. Let's not get it twisted. It does not extend to the people who make this bill. It does not extend to them. Right. It does not extend, you know, people that are poor, people that are black and brown, they're disproportionately affected by all of these changes. Yeah. So, like, it's not affecting the people who actually wrote this stuff in. So... Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, I think for our um, last question, I just wanted to ask, and you mentioned this in questions that you've answered, 
Um, I wanted to speak about Gillette. Um, they've done a couple of commercials now, and they seem to be um, very open to, you know, people of the LGBTQ communities, you know, of course, mm -hmm. people of all races. And they just released um, a commercial with a trans um, male, um, and he was expressing the first time his dad was teaching him how to shave. And they're under, yeah. right now, you know, a little bit of fire because from it, you know, of course, by people that don't agree with it. But I, for me, it just seems like, it seems like the right move because, of course, there are people going through those experiences, but others feel like it's pandering. So what do you feel like um, them, you know, coming out with, the, with commercials like these? So, um, yeah, I've seen all of the Gillette ads so far, and people were up in arms about the perfect uh, mas masculinity one, yeah. which blew my mind. I'm like, why are y'all mad that, <laughs> yeah. like, this is supposed to be a good thing. Why are you mad? Like, so this just could be some people who are just going to be mad about everything, no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. And, like, you just can't even, like, factor those people in because they're just going to be mad. They're going to die mad. You know, whatever, that's right, fine. Right. Um, as far as Gillette, I mean, I feel like it's good to have more representation. I did love that commercial. I just saw it um, yesterday about yeah. the trans man learning to shave. And mm -hmm. so I was like, I'm so here for that. I like to see um, more color on my screen and the more, um, you know, more representation across the board. Yeah. On the other hand, underlying that, I do still, it's, Gillette is still a big company. Mm -hmm. It's still owned by an even bigger company. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at that, that you know, that big company, that mother company, like, what are you doing for these communities? Are you just being cute on these ads? Like, now he was doing all these cute ads, you know, having all these, um, you know, powerful statements and all that stuff. And I love all those commercials. Are you still using um, labor, you know, <laughs> from people, you know what I mean, forced yeah. labor? Are you still doing, like, that? Them, them's the questions <laughs> I ultimately have. Like, after I'm like, oh, that was so nice, let me research who this is owned by. Right. Yeah, because so that's just how my brain thinks, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, it's cute, and I'm also wondering what else is that? Yeah. So. Yeah. Because my thing is, like, if you're going to show and express transgender men's experiences, then it's like, are you also serving their communities? Because, of course, you yeah, know, every, every big company, they got to do some, you know, community service for their tax write-off. Right. But at the end of the day, they get to choose what communities that tax write-off or that community service, rather, goes towards. Exactly. So it's like, are you dedicating a part of that towards these communities or are you just doing this for this commercial, which was great, but like, what what's the next step? What are you doing after that? Exactly. Yeah. Because ultimately, you're drawing more money to you. You know yeah. what I mean? Because people are like, oh, Gillette is on it. Let me buy Gillette from now, mm -hmm. from now on. You know that kind of thing. But are, like you said, are you recycling those dollars back? Are you do you have initiative? Are you hiring trans people? Yeah. You know, do trans? Is there any trans? Is there any trans person in your marketing department right mm -hmm. now who right. helps you with this commercial? Mm -hmm. Is there anybody in your leadership that is brown, black, 
woman identified, you know, yeah. like, you can say it all day, but, like, I need to see, like, what's that, who's running this shit. Right. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. I agree with you tenfold. Um, yeah. So, I think that was all the questions we had for you today. Is there any other information that you feel like you need to share with us? How can, just for example, how can people contact you if they have more questions or if they want to set up time with you to speak with you? What's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. Um, so they can reach me at my website, which is jollico.com, J-A-A-L-I-C-O.com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat. I'm not hit. So I'm not on Snapchat. But, um, yeah, you can find me under those names, um, Jolly Co, under, on all platforms. Okay. And, uh, or you can email me, jolly.company at gmail.com. So, yeah. Thank you so much for speaking with you today, and I hope our audience got a lot from it. Guys, of course, like she mentioned, if you have any questions, please reach out to her um, and relay the information and make sure that you're learning from these conversations and getting all the information that you need. And even if you need more information, reach out to her um, soon. So, guys, as always, this is Good Girls Behaving Badly, bringing you the good and the bad of every week.